Welcome to NeuroNoodles Neurofeedback Neuropsychology Podcast featuring tech legend Jay Gunkelman. He is the man who has read well over a half a million brain scans. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. MindMedia.com. Get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see, and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit MindMedia.com now. So That's Santiago nice. Brand, we have we, we have reunited once again. We found a time that that's better suited for you. You're halfway around the world. Uh, we're going to talk about elephants in the room. What kind of elephants are we talking about, Santiago? Oh, that's a great question. Well, you know, I've been thinking about uh, my experience in neurofeedback for the last what 15 years now of clinical work, and what neurofeedback was in the first half of my career maybe i should say the first i don't know 11 years or so right. um and then you know what what's been lately um um during the pandemic and after the pandemic because i i think the pandemic really uh you know changed a lot of things in people and people changed after the pandemic and I don't know if that's been, you know, your experience or your sister's experience of other practitioners' experience, but in my experience, it's, it's gotten harder to to do neurofeedback with people. I think people, you know, are a little bit more complex and complicated in terms of their behaviors. I think they're confused. There's so much competition out there for mental health. I mean, you're going up against the drug companies and all their advertising and social media, and then the stigmatism and all that. You're right. We started right before COVID. COVID hit, and you know, pe- people didn't want to come out of their houses. And uh, now they're starting to come out a little bit, but they're saying, "Hey, what? I- I'm kind of confused. What what can this do for me? Why don't I just take a pill?" And they don't understand. You can take a pill, okay, but it's not long lasting. People are lazy. You know, neurofeedback is training, so you yep. have to work out. And once the insurance companies, I believe, what is it called, Santiago Parity Laws, where you you pay the same for a broken arm than you do for a dis- dysregulated brain. I think once we get that going, I think we'll get better adoption out there. But, you know, there, we just need to get coordinated on the numbers that shows, hey, look, it, it you can take a pill, you can do yoga, you can do neurofeedback. It's all there. It's just how much work do you want to put into it. Now I'm the MBA. Yeah. You're the you're the tech, okay? So uh there's no degrees <laughs> on the walls over well, here. But uh what, uh, what do you but I agree with you. No, I do agree with you. I think I think people have gotten lazier for some reason. Um, you know, I mean, I guess it was being cooped up in our homes for such a long time. But you know, I, I think people are more and more conditioned to think that things should be easy and quick and yeah and you and i you know we've been around for for quite some time not only in the field but you know in this world so yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um you know, i mean we we know things don't work that way i know things don't work that way that's, that's been my experience and now you know um when people when you tell people you need to commit for at least two two sessions a week they grunt you tell them right. they need to eat better they grunt uh, you know 
there's no time for exercise anymore. You know, that's that's one that really gets me going. I don't have time. But, you know, I bet if I were to get your phone and look at your screen time, you would be <laughs> able to fit in the time to exercise and eat well and do this and do that. So, you know, it's, it's making it really hard um, because people, again, are, are more and more conditioned to into into thinking that you know it's take a pill and the problem is solved and doctor says hey your your blood pressure is too high or your cholesterol is too high change your diet or go you know go out for a jog all right here's a statin you know here here's some beta blockers and uh, bop up and right then, then you're good and it's it's yeah, just that's, not, a, it's that's not... a short-term thing yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a long-term thing, you know. So and 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 no, sleep is the other one. I had I had this client last year. He came to see me because he had um brain fog because of COVID. He got COVID and after a year after getting it, he still he still had brain fog. And so I started working with him and I'm using the the the, the helmet and I'm doing the red light therapy with him and he starts getting better. He says yeah. this is really helping me. And halfway through the sessions, by the twin, the twelfth session mark, he starts telling me, "You know, this is not working for me anymore. I'm wondering what's wrong. I'm not seeing the benefits with neurofeedback anymore." And he's he's in a way he's concerned, but also complaining about it, um, as if it were my fault that stopped working for him. And I said, "Well, what has changed?" And he says, "Well, he, he came clean and said." Um, well, I've been drinking two to three cups, glasses of wine at night, and I'm video gaming until two in the morning. And so, <laughs> gee, I wonder <laughs> why this neurofeedback is not working for you anymore. And <laughs> but but the thing is that you know they they come complain that neurofeedback is not working for them as if they could still video game as they're drinking alcohol and neurofeedback should still do the same thing for them. Um, you know, I had another cool. client who who um, had a big trauma history and we're working with her and she got a lot better. But the thing is, you know, she, she would blow out because she would get into shopping sprees and then, you know, she would blow 10 to 12 K in jewelry. She could easily walk into a jewelry store and, uh, on an anxiety attack and blow 10 to 12 K. You know, the one time I tell her, well, you know, we've done your first map. This is how much your second map is going to cost, which is <laughs> nowhere near 10 to 12 K. And then, you know, she loses it and she's like, why should I have to pay for a second map? And this is ridiculous. So, you know, it's, it's those things. And I don't know if that's the experience for other practitioners, but I, I, I'm quite concerned about those things. So, you know, I get, the, I guess the message I want to deliver to people is, you know, I mean, if you want to get better, you have, you have to pay the price for it. You can't have it both ways. You know, you can't, you cannot expect to eat junk food and not have, and not gain weight. You know, you cannot eat junk food and then compensate by going to the gym. You're going to get a fit, healthy body that way. Well, if you take 5,000 get... calories in and you only burn 3,000, something's going to happen. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's just math same and science. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's just, it, I'm quite concerned because, again, I think people want to get better. They're just expecting to be really quick and painless and nothing in life works that way. That I know. Well, I it, it also has to be like you get an annual physical every year, right? But you don't get a mental checkup every year. And that's yeah. just, pardon the pun, blows my mind uh, that people don't think that way. Because you you have to, look, you get your blood pressure checked so you have a baseline, 
right? You need, need to get your brain waves checked so you get a baseline. Has anything happened? Oh, you got a hit to the head. What are we going to compare it to? There's nothing to compare it to. Okay, we got it. We have to make guesses. Our guys over at in Korea, I met a sink. I think they're with David Dave Verkus's help. I think they're making some in, inroads on, out there with their uh, uh, dry or semi dry. There's no such thing as a dry cap, Santiago. But right, yeah. drier cap, uh, drier cap. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, and they're they're working with some insurance companies on that, and they're building up their databases. Uh, that's a problem. Everybody else, everybody is building up their databases and there's a silo here, a silo here, a silo here. I can't wait till AI, iMedisync is working with AI, but just think like ChatGPT open source. Okay. I want to ask a question and, you know, boom, instead of Google giving me 12 links, I get the answer. Now it's not a hundred percent right. It's 80% right. But eventually it should be able to read those those pictures that show artifacts, anomalies. Now, Jack Gunkelman, he will beg to differ. <laughs> but but I think once that happens, uh, I think the, the drug companies will say, huh, there's more money to be made by going this route than, than put it, putting out the drugs. I don't know. I, I, I'm just guessing out there based on my... I don't know, four years. No, and do, and you bring this. a couple of very interesting points. Uh, I'm I'm still mesmerized by the fact that I tell I always tell people when they ask me, why should I get a brain map? And I tell them, look, if you have abdominal pain, let's say you have some level of abdominal pain and you go to the ER and the doctor says, well, I'm going to cut you open to find where the source of the pain is coming from. You would never let them do that. You, you would let, they need to, to run tests. You know, it could be something as simple as parasites. It could be your appendix or it could be some internal bleeding, but they're not, you're not going to let them cut you open just to find out, you know? So just as we have blood work and x-rays and things for physical health with the tools available, why aren't we looking at brain more and more? Why isn't this more embraced by mental health professionals? And, you know, the technology is way better and it's very cost effective. And it's interesting because my experience has also been people want, are interested and fascinated by the brain. But at the same time, they're scared about at, at looking into the brain. Oh, you know what? What if you find that I have Alzheimer's? What do you find that I have a brain tumor? Well, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to know? I mean, if you do have something, as long as the odds are, if you do end up with something, you might want to do something about it. Think of it this way. How many people want to get their DNA done? You're going to fill out that stupid uh, history form at the doctor's office, but the best thing you can do is just get your DNA done and get a counselor, you know, to look at it. People don't want to do, do that either because, like you say, they're better off not knowing, I guess. Not knowing, uh, yeah. But, I mean, it's a holistic thing. It's, look, it's not one thing that caused whatever your issue is. It's not going to be one thing that's going to fix whatever your issue is. It, right. You know, it's going to be, quote, unquote, this holistic approach where come in, do your DNA, okay, do your scans, physical and mental, and set a, set, set a course of action. And, again, it's yeah. how much work you want to put into it. Because how many people want to go to a physical trainer? 
And I, well, and those are the elephants in the room that I wanted to talk about, because even if you do the DNA, even if you get an MRI, even if you get a QEG, there's three or four basic non-negotiables that you need to engage, that you're better off engaging in to have better health, you know, and those are sleep, nutrition, exercise, and Again, interpersonal relationships to add one to those. So, you know, those are four non-negotiables. You cannot not sleep well and expect health down the road. You cannot not eat well and expect to be healthy down the road. You cannot not exercise and not expect to put on some weight or, you know, have right. ailments down the road. And those are the ones that we're more negligent and take for granted the most today. I mean, you've, you've, you've spoken with Mary Swingle about this, of course. Um, you know, internet addiction uh, and I've, I've been reading the book I've, I've done the workshop the evidence is there and yet I, I ride the MRT here in Singapore the MRT is the, the subway here and every time I ride it when I go to the gym uh, I get on the train at 6 in the morning to go to, to get to the gym at 7 to start my workout and there's two things happening either everybody's on the phone and or they're asleep it's either or, which tells me yeah. they're on the phone because they're not sleeping well and they're asleep on the train because they're on the phone. Yeah, and it's yeah. everybody. If you see people reading a book or talking to each other, it's very rare. And that tells me a lot about the state of the health uh, of health, physical and mental health of people here in Singapore. And I'm sure you find it the same thing if you ride the subway in Chicago or New York or any other major city around the world. Well, people brag about how little they sleep. You know, business executives. Oh, I sleep four hours. I or or what's crazy is I don't know if they do it anymore. But like doctors, they would do their residency and they wouldn't sleep for I don't know how many hours. I don't want anybody like that working on my body or on my business, right? How much sleep yeah. should you get? I've heard, Santiago, the amount of sleep is where you don't set the alarm clock and you wake up when you when, you, when your body tells you to wake up. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Well, ideally, if you if you can't wake up on your own and you don't have to hit this nose, this nose button, that's, that's how you go. That's how you know you're sleeping well. And, I mean, the general consensus is seven to nine hours. Um, I always, I, when we, when I talk about sleep, I always say, okay, you need two things, quality and quantity, of course. So you want to get your seven to nine hours, but if you have for some reason to sacrifice the quantity, then go for quality. So I get, you know, I've, I've known people who sleep four hours a night, very good quality sleep, and they, they, they get by very well and they're very healthy, but the people who can afford to do that are a handful. So you should should you should aim for your seven to nine hours with good quality sleep. And the most important thing that you need to do is put your phone down and put that screen down at least an hour before you go to bed. You know that that's that's that, that should be a non-negotiable. That that should be a given. What put if you throw down. what what if you throw booze in right before you do the phone? Is that a double whammy? Oh yes, <laughs> big time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and they say, again, "Wait a minute, I need, I need, a, I need a drink to uh, get sleepy." Yeah. Well, see, and that's when you that's when you need to get assessed because your dope. If you need the, the 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 alcohol to get the dopamine going, and then you get some serotonin going to get some melatonin going, and you have a big problem because you, that is that's non conducive to good 
and end result down the road. And the problem is that most people talk about restriction, but they don't talk about replacement. Okay, so I put the phone down. What am I supposed to do? Well, you could read a book, not a Kindle book, an actual book. You know, those paper books that they have in libraries, that's what you should be reading. I've heard of those, yeah. Or you should be writing. You should be talking. I, I sometimes suggest to people to do coloring, the coloring books. And, you know, they, they smirk and they laugh at the idea at first, but when they try, they find it very relaxing. They say, you know, that's the best thing that I can do because I find it very relaxing, really cathartic, and it helps me get to sleep much more efficiently. So it's, you, you, you need to put the screen away, whether it's your laptop, whether it's your phone, whether it's your tablet, whether it's your television, and then you need to do something that gets the brain to operate at a different level. Reading, writing, coloring, uh, playing cards with your significant other, having a conversation uh, about whatever you want to talk about. It's very important because I think I think Jace talked about this before. And, you know, the, what I find in my experience is that nine out of 10 people are not sleeping well today. If I find a healthy sleep EEG, it's a miracle. It really is. Most people have a lot of rigid vigilance styles and a lot of people fluctuate in and out through the night, but most people are not sleeping well. And I'm talking all ages. I've seen children as, as young as seven with vertex waves in the EEG, you know, with very serious sleep disturbances. Um, and sometimes it's just, and most of the time is screen time. What about the alcohol? What What's going on with the alpha waves before uh, bed? What's, why, well, why does that I mess mean, up your sleep sleep cycle? Well, well, alcohol, you know, it, it first of all, it disrupts your metabolism. And if your metabolism gets disrupted, you're gonna disrupt your, the production of your um of your neurotransmitters that are necessary for sleep. So one one of the things that disrupts this is alcohol. The other one is food. If you if you're having a high carbohydrate diet, what you're getting is more insulin resistance, or you're ramping up the insulin, the the, the glucose spikes, and guess what? It gets in the way of your neurotransmitter production. So your dopamine, your GABA, your serotonin, your melatonin, or it get interrupted with poor metabolism, and what causes that? Alcohol consumption and eating. Uh, you know, mostly a Western or the American traditional diet. Sugar. So, the, yeah, your sugar, your carbs, your, your refined sugars and whatnot. So I'm not a nutritionist by any means, so I'm not trying to give any advice to people here. But what I've read in the research is that the ketogenic diet is the way to go today. Now, it has to be a specifically designed ketogenic diet. So it doesn't mean that all of us should go into a ketogenic diet. There's different levels and degrees of ketogenic diets or different degrees of, as I like to call it, nutritional restructuring. So your nutrition should be designed per your needs, not according to what, you know, People Magazine talks about or whatever, you know, article you find anywhere. It, you need to go to a doctor. You need to find your Here's what I think people need to do in my experience as because it's worked for me as a client in my own health. And then what I suggest to my clients when I when I work, the first thing you need to find is your level of inflammation, because we all have a degree of inflammation. 
greater or lesser. So, and we all have inflammation going on. Sometimes the degree of inflammation that we have is good because it keeps the body aware, keeps the immune system aware of things, and it keeps running tight ship. Now, some people will have more severe inflammation or you know more mild inflammation, which are the clients who come see us. So the first thing you need to assess is inflammation because inflammation will get in the way of how your brain acts. You know, certain brain waves correlate with that. If you have, uh, if you have high amplitude theta waves, for instance, and they're dominant, you know, that's hypoperfusion. That you that could be your astrocytes, which means your blood-brain barrier is permeable, which means there are things getting into your brain which shouldn't be getting into your brain in the first place. Um, you you may have cytokines because you had COVID and you still inflamed because of the infection. You may have uh, asymptomatic viral infection or bacterial infection. Asymptomatic in the way you feel the symptoms or the signs, but it's wreaking havoc in in your in your body. So I think that, irrespective of what condition people come to see me, I always tell them you need to go work with a functional medicine practitioner. We need to find your level of inflammation. The moment they tell me I'm not going to do that is the moment I tell them then I'm not going to work with you. Because yeah, short, everything short is, in, yeah, everything is integrated. It has to be integrated. So you need to find a time. You need to find the resources because we're talking about your health. This is not me being difficult. This is me helping you. So the first thing is find out your level of inflammation. When you find that out, then the right nutraceuticals and the right supplements can be prescribed for your particular case. Because we, you and I may go to a functional medicine practitioner, we might get blood work panel, and your level of inflammation is going to be different from mine. Therefore, your needs are going to be different from mine, right? And so the first thing we do is find that out. What kind of supplements you need? I think supplements are essential and you don't need to feel sick. You don't need to be broken to take supplements. Even if you're in your healthier state, supplements help you feel even better. And I cannot do without mine. I need mine because, I mean, you know, my brain is the moneymaker. So if my brain is not healthy, I cannot help other people be healthy. So I take care of it. I really take good care of it with my supplements. And I don't take them when I'm feeling bad. I take them when I'm feeling good. So once I find my, my needs, which is what I did when I was feeling bad, I found the right supplements, I found the right approach, I found the right nutritional structure for me, and that's what I keep doing all the time. So once you find that, we need to find out what supplements work for you, what nutraceuticals work for you, then we can find a type of food that is good for you. What food are you allergic to? What food you're intolerant to? And that way, we can find how to restructure your nutrition. Now, very important because that has to do with the gut-brain axis. And the research shows that the best, uh, the best type of food for your microbiome, your gut bacteria, which in turns turns it turns out to be good for your brain, is your greens. So you need to eat lots of spinach and lettuce and kale, and the more variety of greens you have in your salad, the healthier microbiome is going to be, which means the healthier your brain is going to be down the road. And you, you, my you brought up the bio. I think for the for the new people who are listening. The number one place for neurotransmitters in your body is your brain. What's the second place? Your gut, your your intestines. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, serotonin ninety percent of the serotonin comes from the gut, not from the brain. So 
it it travels through the vagus nerve and goes into the brain, but it's synthesized in your gut. So if you're eating crap, you're going to feel like crap. So you feel the way you eat. That's just how it works. So again, you need to get the, the proper nutrition and greens. The microbiome is the bacteria that you have in your gut, which has an influence in how your brain acts. So you, your gut and your brain are talking literally chemically and neurologically. So what you need to do is find out what kind of food works for you. And a plant-dominated diet is what works well for most people. And when I say plant-dominated, it means that you, you put a lot more greens in your diet, um, lettuce, spinach, kale, and whatnot. And then you, you add the healthy fats like avocado and olives and cappers. Um, and then you add the protein and your carbs if you need to eat carbs. So for instance, when we started this process, my wife and I started together and I lost the weight more quickly. And um, we had this very, a very similar structure. So when we went to the doctor, she said, Santiago's losing the weight, I'm not. When they reassess her, they had to take the carbohydrates away from her. So she went on only into protein and greens, no carbs. And then she started losing the weight. This is what I mean that the needs are different. My metabolism is a little faster, so I could afford to lose the weight more efficiently. Um, and then she's, that when, when she started doing that, then she, she started losing the weight. So you need to find what works for you. Please do not follow general advice. Go get checked out. You're going to appreciate it. So, was, so did was, you go to a nutritionist or? I started insurance working doesn't with, cover that. No, and that's the unfortunate thing. You have a very good point. Functional medicine can get very expensive. Um, it can get very pricey. A lot of people cannot afford it. It shouldn't be that way. But I think the the effort is really worth it down the road because it's it's an investment that you do once in your testing. The, the thing that I like about functional medicine is that they're very, very thorough with the testing. They will test you for a lot of things because they're, they're, they're really about finding the source of the problem. So when they find the source of the problem, they can work with that. They're not guessing. They, they cut out the guessing by really doing a lot of thorough testing. Can, can it get expensive? Yes, it can. But if you can make the effort and have that investment, it's a one-time thing. And then once they find the nutraceuticals and the supplements for you, that there's options for that. There's different levels of pricing that you can work with and get the results that you want. And then the testing happens every other year or so, depending on, again, on anyone's particular case. But it's not something where you have to be constantly going. It is, is it hard? Yes, it is. Um, my wife and I and my mother-in-law got into this once the lockdown started when I was living in Colombia. And my functional medicine doctor friend sa said, I'm starting this um, elimination diet. So it consists of this, is for is, is this long, you want to do it. So I spoke with my wife and she said, yes. My mother-in-law said, yes, great. We started doing it. But I got to tell you, it's one of the hardest things I've done in my life. The first three weeks, I was just miserable because you're restricting a lot. The, the idea behind this elimination diet is to eliminate what, what, uh, what inflames you in terms of your food. So you are restricted. And I was eating five to six times a day. This time I was only eating three times a day at very specific times. But you're cutting down on a lot of things that I really enjoyed eating. I was miserable for the first three weeks. 
I cannot tell you how miserable I was. I was cranky. I was not sleeping well. I was getting headaches. I, I mean, I was, I was, it was horrible, but I'm glad I did it because when the turnaround period came, my sleep got a lot better. My energy was through the roof. My sleep was a lot better. My mood was stabilized. And on top of that, I was doing neurofeedback at home. So I brought my equipment with me and I was training myself and I it made all the difference in the world. What was it's the first thing that you do. cut? What was the first thing you cut out? Sugar? I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I cut, I had to cut potatoes. I had to cut rice, which was part of my diet. Um, sugars in all forms, sodas, um, dairy. We cut dairy, uh, fresh milk, uh, um, cheese, and it was replaced with, uh, we replaced it with coconut cheese and almond milk, which at first I hated. But yeah. the interesting thing now is that I cannot drink regular milk now. If I do, I get bloated right away. Yeah. My my metabolism has changed so much, but I enjoy it now. I do. I really do. I really enjoy the way I eat now. I find it to be very healthy, but it's not easy to do. And the inflammation, uh, you know, gluten's here in the in the West. Is gluten a problem over where you're at? Because they process things different where you're at than they do here, right? Well, some, but it is a big problem. Interestingly, Singapore has the second highest rate of diabetes in the region for such a small country because the, the really? island is very small and the population here is roughly five and a half million, yet is the second um, the second country with the highest diabetes rate only behind Malaysia. And Malaysia is, I think, three times bigger than Singapore. But the issue is every plate that you that you take in Singapore, every plate has noodles and rice as the foundation. So you can add chicken, you can add the curry, you can add the uh, veggies, yeah, <laughs> quote right. unquote veggies. But it's lots of carbs, which are uh, lots of rice and lot, lots of noodles. And noodles, which are traditional pasta, which has a lot of gluten in it. Um, so that's that's a huge problem. You, you would think Singapore being the, having such um, high-end hospitals and very good doctors, you would think it's a very healthy population, but it's the other way around. It's actually very, very unhealthy. Um, uh, very how competitive. Does that, uh, maybe you don't know the answer. I'm just throwing it out there. Then why, why are people in Japan so healthy? Well... I, I one of the things they say is is um is the diet um but healthy in terms of a lot of, more fish or yeah it's more of the fish and stuff but 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 the suicide rate in, in Japan is one of the highest uh, in the region I mean the highest in the world interestingly is Thailand I was just watching a documentary the other day Thailand has the highest uh, suicide rate not only in Asia but in the world and I think Japan is just two or three, um, you know, positions behind that. So they, you know, it's one thing or the other. They they eat healthy, but they work themselves to death. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't been to Japan yet, but what I know is the culture there is frowned upon if you leave the office early. Um, and it's, you know, overworking yourself is enforced and it's praised. So working yourself to death is it's basically yeah. the way it goes from the way I understand it. Um, and they have, and sadly, they do have one of the highest suicide rates. I mean, you know, they have wow. the suicide forest um, uh, near Tokyo, where a lot of people go and disappear. I mean, there's people who go there who never want to be found. 
and they go into this dense forest and never to be seen again. A lot of people go commit suicide there. So competition is is crazy. Yeah, and Singapore Singapore is very similar. Singapore it's very competitive, um, and the same thing. People you know going to the office very early, they leave very late, um, and you know not not everybody exercises, not everybody eats very very well. So um, if you if you get into a healthy lifestyle, you could afford that. It's just a matter of switching things around a little bit. It's not impossible. It's just you get so caught up in the rat race that it's just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Very, very. But I think these things need to be discussed. I mean, because people are always looking for the magic bullet, and the magic bullet doesn't really exist. If it existed, you know, I would be It exists, but it doesn't last that long. Right. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of long-lasting effects, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do we miss any elephants, Santiago? Well, time in general, people saying, you know, I don't have time. Um, again, if I look at screen time, I'm, I can guarantee you, uh, on, on average, people are spending, I don't know, four or five hours uh, on social media every few days. I mean, and those are four or five hours where you can fit exercise, where you can fit healthier sleep. Um it, well, they, just, again, they have they have time, Santiago. They just don't have priorities. Yeah, exactly. That's what I always say. It's just priorities, and you know, I think the other one is the school system. Um, uh-huh. I I've seen kids getting into the MRT to go to school when the sun hasn't come up. So, which means, you know, again, I get on the MRT at six in the morning to go to the gym. Um, sun rises here around seven seven fifteen in the morning, which means they've been, they've been up for at least an hour. So they get up at five in the morning to get to school and then and then they do homework until the wee hours it's and i think it's absolutely criminal um they have the, the, singapore and asia in general is very famous for tutoring centers so they have tutoring centers for the kids and the other was i was walking around a shopping center with my wife and we were just walking across one of these tutoring centers it was a sunday at 7 p.m and I just saw this eight or nine year old boy going into the tutoring center on a Sunday at seven eight p.m. And my my heart sank. Is I, I thought it was the saddest thing to see. It's just extremely criminal what we're doing to children. I I, I don't get it. Well, it's the competition. I don't know if they want the kids to su- succeed or they want the parents to live through the kids. Don't know. I think it's both. Based on yeah. what I've seen here and in the, in the time I lived here, I would say it's both. It's 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 the you know parents living vicariously through the children and getting sort of their frustrations projected into them. But there's a very strong emphasis on academics here, um, and academics is everything. You know, my wife was telling me this very interesting story about a coworker from Singapore, and he was saying in Singapore they just teach us to earn money. It doesn't matter. We're happy with what we're doing, as long as we're making money. It doesn't matter. And and the guy said, "Take me as an example. I hate this job, but I'm earning money." So it's it's very instilled from a very early age that it doesn't matter if you're happy or not. And I think it's sad. I just because it, one of the I find it sad. You walk through life just like that, you know, just like a like a robot who's been that's been programmed to behave in a certain way i tell you all you need is a couple of those traders to come in to do neurofeedback and then they do better with their trades because they're not as emotional and then all of a sudden 
There you go. They yeah. don't care about their health. They just want to make more money. They do. Yeah. And it's and that's the mentality here um in the in the financial world as well. Because I mean it's one of the is one of the Singapore is one of the five Asian tigers, as they call them. It's one of the mm-hmm. five wealthiest uh, nations. Uh for such a small country is very, very wealthy. Um, and people who work in finance are that way. And they need all traits, poor sleep, um, you know, heavy alcohol consumption, drug usage type a personalities who think they're invincible and you know i i don't see them as much but i i know counselors who do see them and they tell me man they're destroying themselves yeah um and that leads me to the other element you know i, I think you probably have seen this too we're, we're diagnosing people with neurodegeneration and dementia very uh, a lot earlier on i mean people who are in the late 40s early 50s now and i think that's just going to become the norm so um, well, they're they're yeah, taking I'm... they're taking amphetamines to stay awake, and then they're taking sleeping pills to go to go to bed. Yeah. That does something upstairs. Oh it, does. oh, it does. Yeah, and 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 plus, you know, you don't. I mean, you take lunch into your office. You're training. You're you're watching the stock market, and you're eating that soup in front of the computer yeah. in a rush, or you're you know you're getting something very quick and quote unquote convenient. You're, you're destroying yourself you know it's it's yeah. funny because people complain and they say why me but they don't look into the mirror or why not why not oh you? yeah oh yeah <laughs> why not you right exactly well let's see what you're doing you're video gaming until two in the morning you're drinking your couple of glasses of wine you're not getting good sleep you got you had covid you're long hauler you you're getting your inflammation worse what could go wrong well, I, I think the only thing that people listen to nowadays is Chat GPT. So we just have to put more uh, data into it. <laughs> oh well, uh, you know it, it's a very interesting topic because uh, I see the advantages, but it scares me too. It really does scare me. I, well, I think it's great. I've, I've tried it, and I got to tell you, it's it's a, it's a fascinating tool. Um, I just don't know how well we're equipped to handle it, and you know what. Well, like I think that. that's a that's a whole nother show, Santiago. Santiago, yeah, right. we we got to do this again, my friend. This is a good we time. Do. This is a good time. I'm 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 willing to help out Singapore at at this time if it works works for you. Appreciate it. I I I miss being around you guys. It's just that the other recording time is is brutal. Yes, yeah, cr- I know. And it's it's either we have you or we have Jay. You know, I you know, have California I and you have Singapore. But I'll keep this time open for you. You you got sounds something. great. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Like our silver supporter, Mind Media. Get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see, and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit MindMedia.com now.